grab your beverages and turn up your interweb. Solving the world's problems 12 ounces at a time. It's Dudes and Beer. Well, hello everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to... Oh, there we go. Hey everybody, how you doing? Sorry about that. Welcome to episode 338 of the Dudes and Beer Podcast. Chris Jordan coming to you live this week from Austin, Texas. Uh, this upcoming week, we are already in the midst of pre-recording the episode. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. We actively just talked with the good Reverend Michael J.S. Carter, uh, frequent frequent guest on Ancient Aliens. He's going to be on the show next Tuesday talking about uh, God power inside of each one of us, how, how we can manifest things in our life. Uh, we will also be talking with the amazing Joshua Shapiro um, of Crystal Skull Explorers, where I got my friend Ama, who is here in the studio. I, I already had my friend back here who lives behind me. Um, but this came courtesy of Joshua, and we're going to be talking about uh, the power of Crystal Skulls, uh, messages transmitted through them, and some of the wild things uh, that he is getting ready to release in his upcoming ebook. So we will be getting into that and so much more. Uh, once again, I would like to thank everybody that voted for Dudes and Beer in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Uh, that is a huge, huge moment for us to actively be nominated for such a thing. Um, even though despite the fact that we are actively getting ready to rebrand, like come December, we will officially no longer be dudes and beer. We will be curious realm. It means the world to be nominated in, especially in the topic of news and politics, you know, uh, to, to actively be there and be nominated in the category of news and politics was really touching for me. So. We should be finding out pretty shortly what the outcome of that is. Hopefully we win the award. But thank you to all of you who have been out there listening, uh, becoming members of the community, changing things and getting us up to that point. Uh, while you're online checking everything out, do make sure to go on by and check out the Dudes and Beer group on Facebook. It's actually Curious Realm, formerly Dudes and Beer. You can search Dudes and Beer. You'll find it just as easy. But that is where we post all of our news of the week uh, and where we have our conversations going on. So let's let's take a look at some of the news this week. Uh, actively, let me let me refresh that because there's all kinds of stuff I know that's been posted since before or since that uh, reefer article there. So uh, Monica Lewinsky says Bill Clinton should, quote, want to apologize to her. Um, after filming, they just got done filming, uh, the new American crime series featuring them. And what she's, what she's held all along is that, hey, you know, um, I was a grown person. I was actively involved in an affair with somebody, but he definitely used his power to sway me. And that wasn't right. Um, so interesting to see her coming out with that. Uh, Jill Biden returns to the classroom, uh, as, as a teacher. Uh, that coming to us out of NBC News, out of The Guardian, U.S. experts or U.N. experts condemn 
the new Texas abortion law as sex discrimination at its worst. Out of NBC News, 20 years later, 9-11's mastermind still awaits trial at Guantanamo. That is part of the stuff that we will be talking about in this 20th episode, 20th anniversary episode of the Dudes and Beer podcast, uh, talking about uh, 9-11, 20 years later. We are coming up on that. Uh, out of AP News, Americans warier of U.S. government surveillance than ever, um, according to a new poll. According to a new study out of Fizz.org, freshwater ecosystems at risk due to glyphosate use. Um, and then this is pretty wild. Any listeners out there in Tennessee, keep us posted. This article coming out of the New York Post, loud explosion in Tennessee prompted by, quote, unknown phenomena causes ground to shake in multiple 911 calls. So if you are in that area, folks, please do uh, drop us a line. Let us know what's going on. We are always interested to find that out that is just some of the dudes and beer news of the week over there at the curious realm dudes and beer facebook group of course while you're online checking that out make sure to stop on by the curious realm website once again our call to action until december when we launch is google curious realm and i'm going to show you the power with which you guys have moved so far um, watch my fingers as they thing Curious Realm here on the Googles, and you will see exactly what we have accomplished already. Just in the month of us Googling Curious Realm, you don't have to visit the website, you don't have to click on anything. Just in that amount of time, look at that. CuriousRealm.com, Curious Realm Facebook. Uh, we have taken over everything that was... Um, Listed as Curious Realm on Google. We are now listing over them. Uh, and even, even things from like, you know, Ohio State and Iowa State, stuff like that. So that is the power of you guys. That's what happens when you algorithmically Google together and make those things shake hands. John Bowne, our studio guest, just showed me the website. That's what I'm about. Um, and you guys have made that happen through all of that. You guys have moved us to the point of getting you know getting recognized for awards that kind of stuff so it's it's really been fantastic working with y'all thank you guys so much as always when we come back from these commercials uh we're going to be talking with our good friend dr john hall who is on by a skype audio with us we have john bound here in studio we will have mike turber who is actively on a conference call right now about exfiltrating folks out of Afghanistan. He's in part with that effort. So we're going to be talking about not, not necessarily a lot of the conspiracy theories, a lot of the, a lot of the theories and mystery surrounding 9-11 necessarily. Um, I think that's been done pretty well ad nauseum over the last 20 years. There's even been people that literally made their careers off of doing so. Um, and I think that dog's kind of been beaten to the ground. What I want to focus on tonight is how 9-11, after 20 years, has set up for the means of control that we have in our society right now, how it has set up programs like PRISM, how it paved the way for programs like the FISA courts, um, things like that, all these, all these constitutional violations that, as we listen so many times to the words of Eisenhower, as he stepped out of office, warning us 
that we had to give up these powers in order for this to happen. And don't ever forget it. Um, keep your eye on them, folks. Uh, right now is one of those moments where you really, really, really got to keep your eye out. Um, cause the right hand and the left hand are both moving at the same time now and they're both moving at speed. So now is when the magic tricks start happening. And while you're online checking out the Patriot Act tonight, you can either go to the Dudes and Beer website, dudesandbeer.com forward slash knowledge, or you can go to the Curious Realm website forward slash knowledge, uh, curiousrealm.com forward slash knowledge, and you can actively look at the Patriot Act and read through it and see some of the, hey, look there, Title <laughs> Title Two Enhanced Surveillance Procedures. We'll be going through some of the things that the Patriot Act set forth, stuff like that. Uh, while you're online checking that out, make sure to stop on by our first sponsor, True Him Science. True Him Science is home to some of the best darn CBD that I've found across the country. A few years ago, um, my doctor prescribed or recommended CBD to me as a supplemental for my anxiety for traveling. She was like, I have heard great things about it. I think you should try it out. And that began my search at dispensaries across the country. And lo and behold, I found the gentleman right here in my backyard. Christopher uh, over there is so absolutely fantastic. Um, his, his product is made through a 100% full spectrum process. He uses a spigeric process where everything of the plant, uh, roots, stem, seeds, every part of the plant is used, destroyed, then reused, destroyed, then reused until nothing else can be extracted. I'm here to tell you it is by far some of the best CBD I've had out there. You can actively smell and taste terpenes in it. It's fantastic. Stop on by. Check it out. True Hemp Science is the website. The code DUDE7 is the code that you want to use on your way out the door to save 7% off your entire cart of $50 or more. Uh, and in addition to that 7% off with the code DUDE7, you will also get two, count them, two edibles, either cookie or brownie that are 25 milligrams each. And they are like, I got big hand, like I can palm a basketball with ease. That's the size of these edibles. They are literally like two cookies to a bag the size of my hand. So stop on by, check it out. TrueHimScience.com is the website. Dude7 is the code that you want to use. While you're online, checking that out, make sure to stop on by our next sponsor, Podcast Cadet. Have you considered starting a podcast? Looking for a way to make your business a voice of authority in an industry? Then Podcast Cadet is the solution for you. Whether starting a podcast for yourself, your brand, business, school, church, or just plain fun, Podcast Cadet is here to help you navigate the waters of the podcast industry. Specializing in one-on-one -on -one consultation and training with industry professionals and fields ranging from podcast technology and editing to distribution, monetization, and even social media strategies, Podcast Cadet tailors their services to the specific needs of you and your podcast. Do you already have a podcast and trying to find ways to engage and grow your audience? Sign up for your Podcast Cadet audit today. And let us help you explore new and exciting ways to leverage your content and elevate your podcast brand to whole new levels. 
from consultational workshops to affordable podcast production and maintenance packages. Podcast Cadet is your one-stop shop for everything podcast-related on the Internet. Visit podcastcadet.com today to sign up for your consultation or training and use code DUDES20 to save 20% off your entire purchase. That website again is podcastcadet.com. That's right, folks. Shameless, shameless self-promotion. Also, full disclosure, I am one of the founders of Podcast Cadet. The whole reason I started that up with friends of mine who were in the world of social media, things like that, was I love this medium. I love the medium of broadcast. I love the idea that podcasting allows anybody to get their passion out there for the world to hear and experience. It's, Um, it's It's an instrument of liberty. It is. It really is. And it's turned into one. That would be our first guest right there, folks. Um, our in-studio guest this evening, John Bound. Welcome to the show, John. That's um, me doing on the, <laughs> on the, on the line with us is our good friend, of course, Dr. John Hall, author of Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control. How have you been doing, my good friend? Is he still there? How are you guys? Yep, I'm here. Ah, there he is. There he is. Doing great, man. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to come be a part of this panel and come uh, come discuss this. You were one of the first people that uh, I actively thought of and contacted whenever I decided to do this show um, because I think I think you offer a a unique angle on that means of control and that psychology of control that is so often used in so many ways. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would think so. The, the fight that I've found myself instrumental in spearheading, uh, it definitely uh, has a lot to do with what happened after 2001, that's for sure, September 11th. So. Yeah. And, you know, um, just, to, just to recap that, folks, uh, there... September 11th, next to coronavirus, and I've said it the entire time that we've covered that topic, Doctor, is that as opposed to September 11th, um, where it changed the norms of society, it changed the way we lived a little bit. You know, like if you were a regular traveler, um, maybe maybe you joined into uh, into the traveling programs like TSA pre-check, things like that. But COVID has been one of those that... Uh, Everybody in the world has been closely touched by it in some way, shape, or form. But I, I think a lot of people do not realize the ways in which 9-11 still impacts their life on the daily. And uh, Well, and, and, and I think Rahm Emanuel summed it up when he said, never let a crisis go to waste. And ironically, with you bringing COVID up at the same time, you know, a lot of people are seeing COVID as the great reset, uh, yeah. just like 9-11 was the great reset at that time, you know, to usher in more control factors and uh, to usher in a, a newer and even bigger era of, of government that controls you instead of just governs. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, and that's just it. That is That is something that I've held on this show the entire time is that I do not believe that there was an overarching plan of evil that happened with 9-11. I believe it's the fact that um, much like Pearl Harbor, we had red flags everywhere 
raised everywhere, and a whole bunch of people decided to do nothing um, so that profits could be made and war could be waged. Uh, even the fact that we went to Afghanistan instead of Saudi Arabia uh, is one of those that it, it, you can't really deny that, you know. Um, and here we are 20 years later um, looking at the fact that I, I would I would doubt the fact that we would not be going back to Afghanistan. You know, um, my my money on favorite would be the fact that within the next five years, we will be back in Afghanistan with military within force. Within the next five minutes. Within the next five minutes. Well, get uh, into and, that and a little as, bit, John. Well, as soon as we, as soon as this administration is done doing the hatchet job on the United States that it's doing uh, on purpose, uh, it's all the whole thing staged. I mean, look, look at the way uh, Biden has responded to six planes. I mean, compare that to. Mm. To Jimmy Carter, the hostage situation in sure. Ukraine. It, this whole country was on edge. On edge. Every day, we got to get those people out. Yeah. But we've got six planes right now, as I'm speaking, mm -hmm. north of Kabul, sitting yeah. behind the last stronghold of resistance. Yeah. And Biden goes where? He goes to Delaware to lay around for a few days. And then he goes to New Jersey. And he goes, he goes around, does his little climate change tour where he's up there talking about, cause that's the next thing. That's the next shoe to drop. It's going to be carbon taxes and it's going to be climate change hysteria where now that we've been, you know, I, I'm, you know, my voice is, it's a, just a horror. I'm a horrible, evil person. I'm, I'm this far right, you know, journalist. And I, I just, <laughs> I, I've never met this country any good. My whole life, yeah. I'm just this horrible, horrible person. So now that I don't believe in climate change and I have an argument for it, I'll be even worse. <laughs> well, and, uh, you know, it, it really is one of those things that uh, I think it's uh, it, now granted. Uh, the whole the whole withdrawal from Afghanistan was a planned withdrawal. Like we had the plans to only be there twenty years to begin with, and they they were already making the plans to leave. But the odd thing was that we left Afghanistan like it was a crazy ex in the middle of the night. Like we just cut off the cell phones, you know. Like they woke up, they woke up late for work because like the cell oh, phone it, it was, was like it was cell like it was like the dude going out the back door cheating <laughs> on you. You know, with it was wife, messed man. up. That was the guy. That, that's how we left Afghanistan. It was, you know, well, sliding door window. For the, the <laughs> almond, almond brother style. Only one way out, <laughs> baby. Running down the street. That's how we left Afghanistan. Exactly. And I just it. can't go out that door. You just can't go out which, that which door. Is, that's which is right. really interesting because I had an uncle that did that. Mm. He was the cousin of Dickie Betts. <laughs> well, I, that, uh, I, I, I yeah. just brought that up. Never now, um, the, the the one thing I've been bringing up in the in the group uh, since we left and since things have been going downhill is um, it, it's like it's like I ran Contra, except there's no need for a paper trail. You know, um, it was strange how right after the Taliban came and took over, they had a press conference that was literally like, well, the last thing we're going to do is attack America. Um, we may do some other stuff, but you won't see us attack America. 
And then, like, two days later, the head of the CIA went and had a closed-door meeting with the guy. Um, <laughs> it's like, wow, wow. You know, like, you, this is literally the plot of some twisted A-minus movie. The CIA is just a constant screenplay of itself. <laughs> well, it's definitely the fact that at least they learned, you know, because um, there, were, there were a lot of receipts hanging around after I ran Contra. You know, you, you had a lot of people out there, um, even, oh gosh, who was the, who was the guy who flew the planes, um, that came out years later? Um, you know him? I'm trying to remember his name. Shoot. Robert. Something. Anyway, um, we, we have a long, long history of doing this to countries. We have a long, long history, even whenever we first went over to Afghanistan, the fact that there were numerous reports out there about, us guarding poppy fields, things like that, oh, yeah. because that was the force of that was the source of income for the village. And if they didn't produce that for the Taliban, then the Taliban would come in. Like and there then, were active cases where we compensated and, people and China, for their China for their fields in, being destroyed. Then China comes in and sees how much all the money is worth, and it's trillions. Yes, it's at least three trillion. So, and it's the you know we're actively now merging into the Chinese century. As all the think tanks have sent us on our way, yeah, doing so. Well, we're, we're absorbing this uh, entire culture into our culture, the communist culture, and we're handing over our treasure, blood and treasure, to the Chinese. Well, there were there were a lot of people, Jaya, and of course, you know, make no mistake, people, what happened on September 11th? Absolutely horrifying, absolutely horrible. Um, there are still a lot of questions out there. I mean, J Biden just recently, I believe, put forth a presidential order to declassify um, the 9-11 documents and everything else. Um, and, and you know, there's always questions about things like, yeah, what about the Pentagon? You know, was, was it a plane? Was it not a plane? Uh, what about WTC-7? You know, was that planned demolition or or what? But at the same token, like I said at the beginning of the show, what I want to focus on is the aftermath. What happened afterward? Because like you well, said... Does Dr. Hall have anything to add to the what actually happened that day? Did you know anybody that was there, Dr. Hall? No, and I got actually stuck in Canada uh, during that whole thing. I was uh. actually on a, on a trip to the, the, the Arctic to do some muskox hunting and had just taken a chopper into the Northern Territories and had gotten an Inuit guide and sled dogs and had packed oh, wow. all our provisions on sleds when a buddy of mine came running out with a satellite phone and said, get back on the chopper. They're going to shut down airspace. America's been attacked. And we actually got downed um, probably about 100 miles north of Edmonton in a Mennonite village. And uh, luckily, those, those people took us in. Uh, they had a little community center with a TV in it and food. And we stayed there for two or three days until we could get uh, rides back to Calgary uh, and then spent another two weeks in Calgary trying to get home. So, you know, and let me tell you, trying to get back on a plane right after that, carrying two cases with rifles in it was a tricky thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, because at that time, you know, we were, you know, when, when you go hunting like that, you carry your own guns. 
And, um, but you know, I've, I've, like you said, I really don't want to delve into the conspiracy theories of nine 11. I know there's a lot of questions that haven't been answered on the attack itself, but like you said, you're not going to change that. The only thing you can really change now is the aftermath, you know, and, and what's happening with the surveillance systems that we have in place because of it. So, and those seem to be worsening as well. And that's, why I said uh, before, you know, like you mentioned Eisenhower, about mm-hmm. talking about the military-industrial complex. Well, I'll even take it a bit further. It's not even the military-industrial complex now. It's it's the government, me- social media, and media mm-hmm. complex. Because uh, as you can see, the free speech is pretty much unavailable anymore. And you know, even like your show, if I mean, I'm sure you have to use Amazon Web Services at some point to get it out there and you know eventually if you reach a point where somebody there doesn't agree with your opinion or your guest or yep. the direction your show is heading or the information that it's putting out then they just take you off same thing on facebook you have to really be cautious about yep. what you put on facebook and let people read between the lines and there really is no freedom of speech left yeah no and, and i mean i've i've definitely had there there is there is oh, it, it it exists but but it's it's very I'm, i actually am, I feel like i actually am a part of it still sure and and it's easy for everyone on the outside looking in to say that cuz i they don't have to do my job every day but and it feels like at any point you know we we totally feel like we're the last one of the last forts left of free speech <laughs> in the United States, and, but it does on a daily basis. You wake up and you, you wonder, you know, yeah, when, when's it going to be over? Well, and 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 that's the thing is uh, much much like coronavirus, and at the very beginning, even even you and I have said, Doctor, uh, that. Uh, the only good thing that the Who's said is the fact of you're going to have to learn to live with this. It ain't going anywhere. You know, it's it's a purposefully mutated yeah, common we, cold, we, like, <laughs> and, and, and we pretty much call, called it on on all of our shows. And oh yeah, and you know now you have the vaccine, and now you have the vaccine Nazis out there. Now I'm a physician, and I'm certainly not going to tell anybody not to get the vaccine, but I do think it should be your choice. If if you talk to your doctor and you think you've got you know, comorbidities, you know, hypertension, diabetes, or yeah. you know, you're <clears throat> older and you think it's the right thing to do for you, then by all means you should do it. But to do it because you're being browbeat by other people on Facebook telling you what a low life you are or how you're selfish for not doing it, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, one of your posts on, on your Facebook page. I, you know, I said, you know, our body, our choice, right? Yep. You know, until it comes to getting the vaccine, then it's, you know, not your body, your choice. It's everyone else's choice. Yeah. Um, same thing with the drugs, you know, it, everybody says, well, if you come down with COVID-19, well, you know, you should have had the vaccine. Well, that's neither here nor there when you're acutely ill. The vaccine isn't the treatment of choice. Whether you come in vaccinated and acutely ill with COVID-19 or unvaccinated acutely ill, you have to use therapeutics, not a vaccine at that point. Yeah. Um, and that's when you're, when you're fighting a bioweapon, which is what this is, you know, yeah. it's biowarfare. Yeah. And it's something we've never really had and, to fight here as physicians, at least not in my generation. Then you've got to, to start scrambling to try to figure out 
what will at least lessen the severity to keep people off of a ventilator with it. So, yeah. and then that's where your ivermectin and your hydrochloroquine and yeah. all, all the propagandists are now Hu- saying, human oh, ivermectin. And, human ivermectin. Yeah. Human not, ivermectin. Not, not yeah, one I'm, that you I'm go not, to the like tax store and buy people. That literally says, don't even use it on a horse that you might eat. But as a doctor, <laughs> for, for years, you, you, long before this happened, you've heard of ivermectin as the sure. fundamental. Oh, yeah. And, and so for everyone to be freaking out about it now, I mean... It's the fact that everybody, it's the fact that there are a bunch of people out there who are sadly misinformed about the fact that what is made for a horse is, what's good for the goose is not necessarily good for the gander, like quite literally and biologically. So what's good for a horse in any proportion may not be good for a person. (laughs) Despite it being the same. There are human versions of of ivermectin. (laughs) And believe it or not, there's about 18 or 19 well-done studies that show that it has antiviral properties and that it... In early COVID, it will lessen the symptomology. Yep. Even better, better uh, antiviral than hydroxy. And 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 the fact that it's active, not just that, but it was a Nobel Prize winning human medicine when it when it passed through the FDA in 2015. It yeah. won the Nobel Prize. But, but just to show it to you folks right here, this is one of the many stories that we shared all of today out of The Intercept. New details emerge about coronavirus research at Chinese Lab. More than 900 pages of material related to U.S. coronavirus research in China were released following a FOIA lawsuit by The Intercept. Um, that's exactly what we've been talking about. Hey, we can raise our hands. We're partially responsible. When when France went over there and helped them build the Wuhan lab, they left and went to the UN and went, yo, we pulled our funding and we got out of there because it seems like they're wanting to make bioweapons. Uh, <laughs> straight up. Oh, where'd you see that? Yeah. Like, uh, look, um, I mean, granted, that was brought up and that was brought up in the three hour panel, oh. uh, uh, with like the head of the former head of national security, all kinds of stuff. Um, but yeah, that, that was a thing when it happened. Um, and you know, not to rabbit hole, but the idea here, folks, is once again, that means of control and how, how information gets controlled. Because even at the beginning of this, doctor, we, we had episodes that were flagged. We had stuff that uh, we had posts that were flagged, um, within the community because of the information that was shared about it possibly being a lab leak, things like that. And, well, here we are just over a year or so later and finding out that's exactly the case. So, um, it's it, it, even, even to see things now as far as, uh, where security has gone, where we've gone to as a society and, and where we've gone to as far as, um, actively watching what people say and how they say it, you know, whenever you start looking at programs like PRISM, things like that, uh, they were they were directly spawned out of the Patriot Act. And once again, feel free to visit the uh, Curious Realm or Dudes and Beer website, go to the Knowledge Vault and go to Constitutional Documents and you'll find uh, you'll find a copy of that incredible document where it's literally talking about. I mean, even just the sections and subsections that are listed talk plainly about increased funding for the technical support center of the FBI, 
um, which is pretty well known for, you know, tapping people's phones, doing all kinds of fun stuff. Um, but out of this, here we go. Uh, duration of FISA surveillance of non-United States persons who are agents of foreign power. So, like, how long can they actively spy on somebody in a foreign government? Well, you know, and, and, um, and everything's designated. They call it a foreign government, but since the beginning, it's been we're going to spy on foreign governments, but really, we're going to spy on you, and that that's immediately what they did. Two thousand one, they were like, yeah, because they've been fighting this nineteen sixty seven law that said, uh, you know, according to the Fourth Amendment, you can't you can't come and seize any of my personal effects, basically. Yeah, but but digital was still being born. 1972, they said uh, it has to be specific, and you know by the time those planes hit the towers, Cheney and his group had figured out that they can circumvent those two earlier laws and create mm. a speech on it. You know that we knew was the Patriot Act, and then everything. The Patriot Act's like this octopus. Yeah, you know, and and it it just the more it grew, you know, the, at first it grew with the technology because in the beginning they could only get certain parts of your information, and then they had to go on and make new laws to make sure they could get even more detailed parts of your information, and then at this point they can get anything they want. Yeah, you know, and they could follow me around all day, which is probably good. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, even the, uh, once again, the use of FISA courts, that uh, that has been hugely in place since the passing of the Patriot Act. Um, even, even right now, uh, most people do not realize the fact that there is a hundred mile border around the U.S. Um, this went into effect in 2012, folks. Uh, any, any, Borderland or sea or port of entry within a hundred miles of any port of entry or border land or sea of the United States. Basically, your constitutional rights have been stripped from you. Right on the ACLU's webpage. Right there on ACLU. I mean, which is completely flipped, by the way. <laughs> Since 2008 and 2008, yeah. the ACLU was saying, uh, you know, uh, if a pandemic comes, liberty for security will never happen. That's not, this is not, a pandemic is never a national security issue. Mm. Completely flipped. Now they're like, yeah, vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, everything, religious exemptions, exemptions. I don't think so. Yeah. You know? So it, it's. Well, it's hard and, to have, and, it's and, hard to have the religious exemption when well, you don't have any religions standing for a follow, religious exemption. Follow the money. Follow the money. <laughs> follow the money. <laughs> Yeah. The ACLU was yeah. back in when the when the Catholic Church has said they're not going to give you a religious exemption yeah. themselves too. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but now it's funded. The ACLU is funded by literally by Open Society Foundation and the Ford Foundation, just like yeah. all the other think tanks. Yeah, you know. So it's like it's not really the American Civil Civil Liberties Union. I can't talk to them. I can't hear myself. <laughs> it's the the American Civil Liberties Union. It's something else. That it, that that's false advertising. It's yeah. no longer the American Civil Liberties Union. That is not what it is. Yeah. It is the American Patriot Act. Union. Well, and uh, you know, 
Speaking of national security, things like that, we actively have our uh, good friend, Mike Turber, who just rejoined us. Welcome back, Mike Turber. How are you, good friend? I am fine, sir. How's everybody doing this evening? Fantastic. Welcome to the panel. Uh, let's with with the presence of Mike Turber here. Let's start getting into how all of this relates to the current issue going on in Afghanistan. Uh, because the the work that you're doing over there with the exfiltration effort is absolutely fantastic. Um, but the way that we left in the middle of the night, I yeah. think, is and and literally recreated the vacuum of power for the Taliban to come in and fill is, I mean, you're a friend. You've seen my stuff on social media, mm -hmm. as I said on the show here before. Um, I think it's, it's just Iran Contra without, without a paper trail. Like all you did was do a 20 year s slow burn to be able to arm the Taliban and then put them directly in power. Yeah, essentially, this is this is probably the biggest back, most back words. I'll keep this PG rated as best I can uh, <laughs> operation I think I've ever seen. If yeah. certain individuals are standing in front of me, they would have a problem right now. I just cannot mm -hmm. believe what I'm watching, what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, and uh, I've got over you know 400 people that are on my manifest right now that we're trying to get out. That we're you know we've already uh, taken out 1,100. We've got another 400 that are on my list right now, and it's mm -hmm. growing daily. And it is absolutely, they did this. If you planned this in reverse, then they would have probably done okay. The problem is they did it in reverse, and they took out everyone first that we really needed to have as cover for what we're trying to do right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got groups that are going in that are in, that are in the field, that are in the cities, and they're they're in Afghanistan going to get these people to bring them to safety, whether it be by land or whether we try to get them to an airport. We've got planes sitting at Missouri right now, Missouri Sharif um, Airport. That um, And the, the senator from Texas said that that was an active hostage situation. It, it's not, but I understand what he was getting at. But anyway, you know, so right now where we're at is the Department of State is requiring that the people, before these planes take off, that all of the people are vetted and what have you. I get that and I understand that. But the problem is, is that when we go to the door and we have 12 people in a safe house and we yank them out and we take them down to the airport, we don't have time at that point to try to figure things out. If there's any snafu, we've got to get those people on the plane, get them to where they're going and do it there. They're not coming to the United States directly. So there's an intermediary like we have uh, Germany and some other places. Sure. And, and that's the thing. They, they can do that there. Um, but that, that's the problem. That, that's the bottleneck that we're up against right now. But, um, you know, it's, it's it, you know, it, there's things like I've got a six-year-old boy shot in the face that we've already arranged for um, surgery, for trauma team, the whole nine yards, ready to go. And, and we can't just go in and get them out. And it's a combination of things. But primarily, it's the bottleneck that we're getting from, from our own Department of State. And... Uh, yeah. It's it's a nightmare right now. It really is. Yeah, and I mean, I know I know you can't speak too much to the details because, of course, yeah. you know you you still hold some clearances and uh, you still do some work here and there. But it uh, to know that you were involved, hip deep in this, a does not surprise me one lick. Um, knowing you the way I know you, and and b, I'm so entirely happy that people like you and of uh, are. Of your caliber of investigation skill are out there 
doing this and helping people and making this happen. So yeah, yeah here's the odd thing that, that I find odd. I'm I'm receiving communications from local people that, as far as uh, agencies are concerned, high positions, names that you would recognize, calling on us and a couple other groups as well to actually go in and pull out their former interpreters, former liaisons, former couriers, all of these different people. They're contacting us. See that that should not happen. Yeah, that should have that should have been something that happened a month or two ago when they knew that you know that we were pulling out and get all this stuff ready. I'm not saying that it's their fault. I'm just saying the way it was pulled out was even done behind their back. And and just to exacerbate this just a little bit further, is we had until the 31st. We were out on the 30th. I also understand the reasoning for that. Go ahead and not, you know, use our timetable to sure. get out a day early or whatever so that there's no, you know, oh, my God, they know we're going to leave at 5 o'clock on the last day. They're going to blow us out of the sky, that kind of thing. I yeah. get that. Um, you know, but still the same situation is is that we have a lot of people. We have what we're asking. I just got off the call. We have a national security call we just had with a bunch of people in it. And the numbers that we're looking at right now is around 1,800 American citizens and or visa holders that are in Afghanistan right now. Wow. Um, the, the, yeah, 18, around 1,800. Wow. And, of, and of those, we believe that maybe 20 or so percent, 25 percent actually want to or need to stay for one reason or other, whatever the reason is, that's sure. just their business. But we, we have so many people... Um, um, yeah, I, I did. I did let you um, see a couple of things that we had there today, where you yes. can see the desperate, the, the desperate calls of these people needing help, and they have gone through the process. They have gone through the SIV process, the P status, P one, P two, to to get their visas, to get you know whatever. And in that process, for some reason, it slowed down and stopped. But we hear on the news that they sped up everything. The the issue is is that they they knew the deadline. Yeah, they knew the deadline was last week. It's not today. You know, I and I'm sitting here and I'm in the United States. I'm looking. At, I have the intelligence going for our group. I've got uh, communications going, logistics going, everything you can imagine to run a small operation of infiltration and extraction. We're running from here, basically a one two man band as far as that's concerned. And then we've got a twelve member team that handles everything else. And then we have the teams that we work on the on the uh, on, in the extraction inside of Afghanistan. So it's an, it's and that's us doing it with no support. We have no, no, no one covers us when we go in and, you know, there, there is yeah. no eyes in the sky that are helping us. You know, we've got, you know, satellites that run, we can actually run live video from these satellites and that's not a secret anymore. That's just the case. Sure, sure. I, I, I will cover that. I'll cover yeah. that. I'll cover that for Infowars.com. Just hook me up, man. I will cover everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and that, and that's the situation that we're faced with right now is yeah. if they could give us eyes, you know, or what have you, which I'm, I'm in, I'm negotiating with a company right now that's going to do that. And it's just, it's going to cost a pretty penny, but that's what he used to do anyway. We, you know, analyze the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the visual intelligence come in, the imagery and the, and what have you. So we, that, that's where we're at. We don't have a lot of things, but we are getting the job done. When you see people get off these planes, uh, in Qatar over in, you know, in Abu Dhabi and El Yudad and all that, these, Individuals are people that have been rescued either by our team or by other teams, 
And when you see that face of that person when they get up the plane and, and they're free, they're they're away from what they are, it makes it worth it. You know, yeah. it makes it worth it. And we're not even funded. We're all self-funded. You know, and that that's that's now at a point where we can't really do that anymore. So, you know, when you look at the number of, of people on our list and the types of people that are on it, you just are amazed that this wasn't handled properly to begin with. And it is very discouraging at some point, but it's encouraging on the other side that we get to get this job done that others, you know, couldn't do for one reason or another. Hey, Mike, can, yeah. I, can yeah. I ask you, uh, do you think that they are completely incompetent or is it possible that there's another hand steering things? Well, there's has to be another hand because we have a puppet in the White House, so somebody's steering it, and it's yeah. certainly not him. Um, you know, and I and I would never, I would never normally say that. No, you would not. It, wow, I'm like I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm flabbergasted to hear you say it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just not that way. I've always respected the office. I mean, yeah. the person in the office may be an issue, but I respect the office itself. But this, this has been a fiasco of unimaginable. Uh, doing it, and and it's something that anyone would see. Anyone watching this could go, "Aren't y'all doing this backwards? Is it this? Shouldn't you get all the people out first, and then the military pull out, so we can provide cover for whatever we're doing?" And you know, he has his reasons. I would love to have been sitting in on. I've got actually a person that was just in the meeting that I was just in was in on that meeting, so we kind of know why. Um, but well, and uh, uh, what what disturbs me is, and that really disturbs me. I guess it should be pretty well known by now that like the Taliban is pretty apt at what they do. Um, but the speed and efficiency which with with which they have been. Um, um, a- able to infiltrate the security systems and able able to uh, hack past biometric data. Well, let me let me using let me biometric data to literally hunt people down. Yeah, let me let you in on something on that. Uh, there's several things, and those are called the bats. Yeah. Um, and then they're made by L1, and uh, that company was bought by uh, BAE and uh, a while back, and what have you. So those systems are uh, having issues right now for some reason. Um, I'm not sure who did it, but someone uh, probably placed some uh, bugs on the internet for them to find and to go in and take those things out. So they're having issues with those. So that's a good thing. The other end of the spectrum is, is once those things are turned on, they have to connect to the central database to actually function properly. That database has been cut off, and the only data that these units have is the data that's on the unit itself, because they do the iris scan, fingerprints, all nine yards. So yeah, those yeah, units yeah. are kind of, yeah, those are self-contained units. They're called bats, and, um, and, and those are pretty much not, we're not really going to have that big of an issue with them, but it is an issue at, you know, to begin with. So we, yeah. there, it is a problem that's not as, as much as the media played it out. And we did put systems in place to uh, quell that problem, Was we'll put it that way. Well, it is, it is reassuring to know that at least, at least those units are locked down to whatever data is on the unit, that they, yep. can't, that they can't access the mass database and stuff like that. Because, yeah, once again, that was definitely not a fact that was shared by mass media and we've had a few comments of course our good friend and uh listener cheryl goodman out there um uh free speech does not exist but in Ru- uh, it does exist but in russia not in the u.s um and then, <laughs> heaven whistler um it's not about the freedom to speak it's about getting people to actually listen um oh, here, let, me, let me give you some more inside knowledge here 
um, on the uh, the Panjshir, the the battle for Panjshir, that's been going back and forth. Obviously, each side claiming that their victory, victory, victory. So I, I've got images and imagery of, of that area. I kind of see what's going on, um, and I see the reason why they're bouncing back and forth. But here's one thing they're doing: they're sending people into Masur, they're sending people into Kabul, and a little bit in some of the other cities to actually take the children, the boy children of the families down to, you know, as low as 12 years old and to bring them into that battle because they know that they're having a problem for the battle. of It's a valley, it's Panjshir Valley. Wow. And, um, and so and if these people, if these children do not agree to go, the Taliban is shooting the kid right there in front of the parents. Wow. That's what's happening. That's, and that that's is Nazi-level stuff. Hey Mike, yep. what's going yep. on? What's going on right now for real in the Panjshir Valley? Um, well, for right now, the, the battle going back and forth, I think it's probably going to fall to Taliban because they're talking about um, uh, methods for doing that, and that's where we're at now. I can tell you some other stuff too. Uh, Turkey is doing something over there because I watched three overflights uh, from Turkish Air Force going over Panjshir Valley dropping whatever it is they're dropping because you can watch a, a plane's flight pattern and see if it if it slows down that means they're opening the door they're dropping a drop out the back and they're in there and then they speed back up and they gain altitude again so whatever it is they're dropping you know i i, I can surmise on some of the things uh, qatar has brought in uh technicians to repair the radar at kabul which so so, so kabul's radar is is repaired and it should be back up and running or as we speak or sometime tomorrow um so that airport's opening back up slowly so the airlines that are going in right now is qatar uh cam air cannot fly right now there's a problem between cam air and and i can't say the entity but we'll mm. just say the cam air has an issue that's what, the reason why you saw those planes on the ground in missouri yeah uh, they were not allowed to take back off um, whatever you heard on mainstream media is not the actual reason. So we, we know what the actual reason is. Um, anyway, so you've got that. And, uh, the other airline that'll start taking off, which already started today, I saw one or two flights that are moving just inside, uh, Afghanistan is Ariana Afghan Air. So that's what's starting to move. So what that means for us is that we have air, airplanes that are able to take people out. Taliban has promised us that people with visas and what have you will be able to be taken out. Um, of course, how much do we trust that? The problem is, is getting them from their safe house locations to the airport safely past the checkpoints. You know, you got to pay these people off and all this other stuff. So all there are is about money. And as long as you give them enough money, you can get your people out of there and we have to pay for the flights. So that's, yeah. that's where we're at. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, just to bring this back full circle and bring it back to means of control um uh, the panic um the utter panic the rocking of boats things like that how how important is keeping people on the defensive keeping people on the move things like that how important is that for a means of control doctor Well, I mean, anytime you keep people divided and you keep people in the dark about what the truth really is, which is, I, Mike has actually illustrated that excellently. Is yeah. Everything that he's almost completely is in opposition to what you hear on the news. You know, he's saying that, you know, there's, there's, you know, at least 1,800 American citizens 
there now that he knows of, and, and he, he's got an ear there in Afghanistan. But then you have Secretary Blinken come on and say, well, you know, it's probably about 100, maybe less than 200, or could be 500, but, but probably less than 200. I mean, you know, they either obviously don't know at the State Department, you know, or they're just outright lying about what they do know there, which my guess would be they're probably outright lying. Uh, so it's I mean, pretty it's standard one status of those quo. things where, yeah, and um, you know, the American people. It's unfortunately the social media is pretty much controlled by the state now. The major media is controlled by the state now. So there's really no place, you know, that you can really quantify how truthful the, the information you're getting is mm. and they want it that way you know because that way you have constantly people at each other's throats on twitter and at each other's throats on facebook that are disagreeing with each other on everything from what's going on in afghanistan to whether you should have a vaccine or whether ivermectin works or you know or yep. whether the patriot act and the fisa court is a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> you know as long as you can't have any you know, anybody coalesce into a, a, a common agreement, then the government is free to control it all. Yeah. And and just to bring a, bring a nail back home, I brought up the uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals decision about PRISM that came out not too long ago, actually. Um, and I highlighted the juice right here, which, get, get, look, like, there's the summary. It's literally paragraph two. The panel held that the government may have violated the Fourth Amendment when it collected the telephony metadata of millions of Americans, including at least one of the defendants pursuant to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Oh, right. well, the Fourth um, Amendment is gone. It's, it's just gone. Uh, oh, I mean, it may as well be written on toilet paper. Um, but, but quite literally, when you go through and read that, and this is this was like the this was many years coming down the line, but literally. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals was like there was no greater abuse of yeah. this system, yeah. and, and that was that was actually the, what they that's what they released about the the stuff um, going into the investigation of uh, RussiaGate and everything else was like there was no greater abuse of this system than than what the FBI did well, to to start yeah, that. Um, so it's it's amazing to see that like after nine eleven was when this flexible bendy place called the FISA court really took root. Um, well, I can tell you a lot about that. There, there was we had six thousand nine hundred requests that we put into the FISA court. That was back when Reggie uh, was was running. And out of the 6,900 and whatever requests that we had um, for basically surveillance, for active surveillance for someone supposedly outside of the country coming into the country or calls going into the country, out of the country and all that, which obviously could be anybody, um, out of those 6,900 or so that we had, we only had seven that were put into a decision process where they'd come back and do it and only one was not approved. Just. One, literally one out of that. Wow. Wow. One. And, that, and, that, yeah. and just that out of curiosity, because I know, I know you are, are, let's just say quite the FOIA requester. <laughs> what, what, what are the odds on average of you submitting a FOIA request and having it granted? Well, that, that, what's funny about that is just the recent one I did was the fastest FOIA request I think oh, I've no. ever seen. 
<laughs> you saw that? <laughs> that was amazing. I mean, they called they called me right away because they knew something was up. So that was pretty. I've never had them just you know get on the phone and call me uh, like, hey, we just got your thing. What is this about? You know, better yeah. oh, Okay, and then and then next thing I know, I've gotten answers to my FOIA request in fifteen days, and then it just doesn't happen. Yeah. But um, anyway, got back to the other. As far as the the data collection and everything through you know what Prism was, which is also the bigger picture, the largest project in human history was called Echelon. Yeah. And that that is the, the mass collection of everything. And if anyone thinks that any of that has changed, I'm sorry, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, you know that. But yeah. the situation is this, absolutely every piece of data that has moved through any cable or air is definitely taken and it's put in either Bluffdale, Utah, San Antonio, Texas, or Northridge, or, or you know any of any of those facilities, and yeah. no longer doesn't for me that much. But but that that's where it's going to go, and it's going to sit there until somebody needs it, or some algorithm figures it out using AI or whatever, and and then they pull those those data records as much as they want. Yeah. Um, and it, that's going to go on, and it's never going to stop. It's they'll rename. It. Remember, the Patriot Act was taken up, taken away, but then it came back in in some other name. Um, and then you know all of these different things. They have been in play since the mid to late eighties, and that's not anywhere. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> it's it, it's phenomenal to see, uh, especially if you start going through and looking at national budgets. Um, yeah. when, when you start looking at the quote special access programs, things yeah. like that yeah. after nine yeah. 11, the, it, it was literally just money being printed for it. Pretty much. Pretty um, much. They had, they had, they had, it was basically a, a blank check or whatever that they could, they could basically pull funds out of thin air for anything. There was $11 billion that was moved into First off, right when 9-11 happened, there was a problem between the agencies. They were not talking to each other. I think everybody remembers this possibly. And it, everyone was pointing fingers at everybody else. CIA was to blame for this. NSA yeah. was to blame for that. NRO was blamed for nothing. And NRO wasn't even really you know, recognized yet by that point, I don't think. But, um, you know, and then you have uh, FBI that it was not really that integral of a part, but it had to deal with some of the domestic stuff. And, and as it relates with CIA, because they work together hand in hand. But the, the intelligence gathering part, you know, was handled by NRO, NGO, NSA, and some, and some human intelligence and some more from CIA. Uh, the problem was, is one hand was not really talking to the other. And they have done a lot since 9-11. I can say that to, to quell that a little bit, to make it a little bit smoothed out where the, the communication is going between where everyone's using similar or the same uh, uh, internet interface or whatever, sure. um, all these different things like NSA used to use NSA net and so forth. So, um, but the the main thing is now is that the communication between the agencies has gotten a lot better. But could another nine eleven happen? Absolutely. As I don't think there's much that can be done to stop that. But the the important matter is is that we do have more systems in place to prevent it. We haven't had an attack since then. And, uh, you know, here we are. So, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, it, it was interesting to see the head of the Taliban come out a few days after they took Kabul and literally have a press conference. Yeah. You know, like uh, the last thing we're going to do is attack the U.S. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then all of a couple days later, the head of the CIA goes and has a closed door meeting with them. Um, yeah, so this, 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 is, this is a major um, issue that we're having. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm fortunate to be pre-recording next Tuesday's episode of Dudes and Beer presently because, uh, well, I fly out to D.C. on September 11th. So, um, uh <laughs> <laughs> nice knowing you. Hey, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fortunately, fortunately, you don't typically hear about too many hijacked Southwest Airlines planes. Yeah, I was at the World Trade Center three, three weeks before the Trade Center went down. I was, I was there, and and I had this. I was at Forty Second Street and Canal, I think somewhere wherever around there, and we went down into the underground. And I, I looked up, and I just looked at the buildings. It was raining slightly, and I looked at Angie, who was with me, and I, and I said, take a look at this. And she she just looked up, and she says, wow, they are tall. And I go, yeah. And I just stood there for just a second, about a minute, and then turned around. And that was the last time, you know, I'd seen the buildings. And we had a flight that was coming out, you know, that that next month, too, on the 10th. And, uh, you know, we were going to San Francisco, but it was you know, that morning, you know, of course, everybody remembers where you were at certain times when certain events happened. Yeah. And I looked, at, you know, when the first building was hit, I knew something was up. My, my girlfriend's mother, she called us and told us what was going on. So we're watching the TV. The moment the second building was hit, I turned and looked at Angie and I said, only one person on the planet could have pulled this off. And she goes, who's that? And I go, Osama bin Laden. That's it. And that was the first words out of my mouth when that second, that second tower got hit. And, uh, and the rest is history. Here, you know, here we here we are. You know. Well, and uh, you know, it was interesting to hear the the head of uh, one of the former heads of national security during the uh, during the coronavirus panel during the source uh-huh. that they had like a sadly poorly attended um, source of the coronavirus panel that was absolutely jaw dropping information. Um, mm-hmm. but that's exactly what one of the former heads of security said was like, we, we knew this was coming. Yeah. And, and well, the yeah. fact of, the fact of uh, another 9-11 event type happening is pretty well like in the cards. It's going to happen. So we need to figure out how to talk to each other. We need to figure out like well, how and, to, and how, medically, how, medically how, we're having a, yeah, medically we're yeah, having another 9-11. Yeah. Yes, I mean because this this is this is a, a a bio war that we're having. Like I said, those of yeah. us as physicians, you know, this isn't influenza or uh, yep. anthrax or a back or bubonic plague or something mm-hmm. that we've been trained to treat. You know, this is a manipulated virus that's attacking people's bodies in ways that we don't really know how to deal with. We're having to learn it on the fly and try whatever therapeutics that actually will work. And it's not over because we've got variants coming down the yep. pike that the vaccines aren't going to work against. Yeah, we've already and got we already Lambda and Mu. They're already going around in Africa and China and Europe. Yep. Yeah, we've already got Lambda and Mu going around. Lambda has already proved itself pretty well. I mean, Delta has already pr- proven itself pretty resilient to most things, but Lambda has already pretty well proven itself to not be affected by any of the stuff. And that's pretty well what we've held the whole time, Doc, is the fact that what you were well, looking at is... A, we've got one. We, you're going to need a lot We've got you coming, and we've got one called C12. Yeah. And and C12, the monoclonal antibodies aren't working too well against it either. Yeah. Which is what we've been kind of relying on to save people, or at least keep them out of the hospital right now. So... Doc, yeah. Doc, do you feel that the, the mutations are something that the natural mutation, or do you think the mutations are are being interjected, you know, on the fly, or is it just a, a, a progression of this particular um, 
virus. I think it's a, prog- a progression of a typical virus. Yeah. And the you know the the problem with the vaccines is if you look historically at diseases that we were able to successfully vaccinate against, they were all viruses that were obligate human viruses. You can't vaccinate against a virus that has multiple uh, animal reservoirs. Yeah. And this this weapon attacks everything. I mean, every pretty much every species can get it. Yeah. But each species that gets it puts a different spin or a different spin on mutation to it, which still has it infectious to humans, but with a different you know DNA variant coming from a different species. And and now has yeah. been one of the arguments, kind of against vaccinations for it is. You can't vaccinate against a virus that infects multiple different species. Well, and even even you know the fact that it's a co- it it is a common cold that has been changed and tinkered with to mutate specifically faster and more virulently. Um, and I challenge you, though we have cold and flu season, and we have vaccines for the flu. Um, as we've talked about numerous times, Doc, that is a roll of the dice. You're going to get a cocktail of five or six different versions out of the 20 or so known versions of the flu out there. Depending on mutations and depending on what's coming over from Asia, that's what you get. You could still get the flu. Um, but the fact is we don't, you don't hear about go get your, go get your common cold shot. You know, along with go get your flu vaccine and that's, and every that's year. That's the reason because the common cold infects multiple it, species, yeah. and it it mutates so regularly and so readily. You know, so if if you, as they have literally said now, um, that yes, it was take this thing never came from bats. It never made that leap. Um, that that did not happen. Let me ask you this real quick, Doctor, if you, if you can. When they, if this is by design, which is what the, the common argument seems to be, mm-hmm. the question I haven't been able to answer is: if it's by design, it's a. It was either left out, let out too soon by either accident or whatever, and it wasn't. The design wasn't finished because it's affecting every country basically. So why, why would you develop something that's going to? You know, affect your own country just much like chemtrails. That would you'd be spraying your own family. Um, and B, if it's by design, how can they make it in such a way that it would affect mainly the groups that they want? I know with the United States being at the top of the gross natural national product, that China will overtake us, and that was possibly a, a thought of is that they would just they'll take their own losses, and then we would lose more, and then they would overtake our position. So. I don't know if if, uh, if by design is something that they can narrow down for certain uh, select areas or what. Uh, well, uh, I mean, yes, they can. Yeah, they've been they've been working on cultural um, variants of viruses for some time, and that's why they've actually harvested American DNA um, yep. through a lot of the services where you where you give your samples and to get ancestry done or whatever. Yeah. Well, a lot of that goes back to China because mm-hmm. they can they can genetically manipulate viruses to attack specific cultural groups, and they started doing that in the '90s, working on it in the '90s. Uh, your answer is to why would they actually release this if they know it's going to affect themselves? Well, for one, the Chinese already had a, a vaccine before that was ever released, um, and for the other, for two, 
the Chinese really don't care if they kill a bunch of their own population, right. especially if it's Uyghurs. Yeah. Um, and my, my personal thinking with this is that it was a beta test with a virus that was lethal enough to drive people into testing centers and get tested and create data. So the data would get back to China to see how quickly they could actually distribute a virus. But because, you know, a common cold that just gave you the sniffles, that wasn't going to give them data. The only way you get data is to to create a need for vaccines and a need to go get testing. You've got to be seen in a medical facility, get some type of a testing to get data to get back to the host country to see how quickly it distributed. I think this was a test on distribution. And unfortunately, I haven't seen any government agency saying we need to figure out how this was distributed because I guarantee yeah. you it wasn't distributed globally by putting a bunch of people from Wuhan on airplanes and sending yeah. them out to right. other places. And yeah, what do twelve monkeys style? It, yeah, yeah. The only country <laughs> yeah. I've seen address it is Italy, who yeah. has come out and said that they think it came in on products. Yep. Yep. And yeah. I mean, I've I've had the article up while y'all have been talking about this. Uh, literally. Uh, from 2011, uh, Hudson Institute, uh, official 2011 Chinese government submission discusses, quote, weaponizing specific viruses to target races. Uh, and that's a Sky News Australia interview that they yeah. have linked there that you can go watch on YouTube, folks. That's like from 2011, from 2011. It was once again like 2012, 2013, whenever France left China and was like, hey, just so you know, we pulled our money and our funding out of there. I think they're trying to build bioweapons, and we don't want to touch that. Um, <laughs> so, and, we, and we were doing it for years ourselves, you know, but you know, we, we have a little bit different level of confidence in, in our ability to, to maintain this, and then we find out that we were supporting the Wuhan Yes, uh, we, know, were, so we were actively funding the research yeah. because we had, we had outsourced all yeah. of our GOF or, or right. gain Thank of function you, research. <laughs> Through the back door, Obama apparently slapped his hands on it. This is the way the story goes, well, but, but you know. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of cases where we outsource things like that, and that is specifically one of the things that they said in that security briefing. Uh, with the Senate was, hey, man, you know, if we don't outsource this stuff to China, we wouldn't have this issue. Right. If we yeah. weren't willing, if people weren't well, just willingly paying, to get- literally paying them to take their DNA. Oh, yeah. Literally paying. Well, and that's why Fauci tried to get out in front of this whole story, he too. Um, and the, and the, the, the government propagandist media actually deified him pretty quickly mm. so no one could question him because he he knew this was created and he knew the the problems it was going to cause and unfortunately when they decide to distribute globally a virus that is intended to kill a third of the population that's exactly what it's going to do Doctor, they know how to distribute it quickly right now. do you think that's their achilles heel their complete arrogance and hubris yeah probably i mean that would be but it's neither here nor there until we have a, a, a state department and a government that's willing, willing to actually go against them. You know, right now we have the, the party, unfortunately, that's in power now is funded by them. So, yeah. And, and data and is data no matter what. Yeah, data, data is data no matter who's looking at it. Yeah. And who, you know, however it's done, it's still going to be data. So, 
Um, naturally, they're going to pull as much information out of it and look at it and see uh, various ways that it was successful, the things that went wrong, and they're going to basically improve upon that. So each time there's a variant, you're going to see a more select, you know, select populace that'll be taken yeah. out for some reason. Yeah. Remember that we thought that sickle cell anemia was, was one of those that, that somebody put together for for the for the black population. You're like, okay. Yeah. Um, but who knows anymore? Yeah, precisely. And, uh, you know, uh, Cheryl Goodman popped up with the fact of don't forget the NDAA, because, of course, that's where all of this stuff gets funded. If you're talking about special access projects, things like that, feel free to go look every year. The National Defense Authorization Act comes out, and that's what basically funds all of these side offices, uh, special access programs. Uh, the, speaking of the former or two former administrations ago, uh, one of the last things that they attached into the NDAA that got passed was the creation of the Office of Anti-Propaganda Propaganda. <laughs> Which is still one of my oh, favorites. You, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, we had, remember we had a radio. We had a radio station. Remember for, uh, Freedom? Uh, yep. oh, what the hell was it called? Radio Freedom, whatever the hell it was. Yeah. And we created. Get this. We created our own radio station to go against our radio station because we needed to drown out the other. Yeah. You know, which is in the Middle East. And so we we created a propaganda against ourselves, but the propaganda was so soft, it was peed <laughs> in, so we would win. USO was part of it. I mean, it was just an amazing thing. And I sat down and go, wow, we're actually doing this to ourselves. But at the same time, it was because we wanted to have a more powerful station. People would listen to it if yeah. it was against us. And then they saw that what was going on. It's just amazing. Remember, we dropped all the leaflets in, in Iraq and all these different things that, sure. that you start looking at later. And it's kind of comical at this, at this point sometimes when you look at some of this. And then you realize there's a lot of money that goes into that. That was a SAP right there. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, I've seen a bunch of SAP programs. We, you know, been involved in several and some of the names we come up with, are, which are get to be pretty hilarious too. But, um, the way that the money is moved around inside the intergovernment and interagencies and what have you, when you see a project come up, uh, let's, let's say DARPA has something to DARPA hard and they're going to convert it into an operational, uh, thing and it's going to go in as SAP. That whole project comes in under the radar, but you have warehouses, literally warehouses that are built with things going into them that you can't talk about, can't see, can't discuss. But at the same, at the same time, you have to, in your mind, when you start calculating this, it's more than the budget that even we see. If you saw the $53 billion budget that was going in, uh, back several years ago into one certain agency, and you saw another twenty-three billion behind it. That's half of the budget was SAP programs. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. And then you look and you see how much money we give to these contractors. Where the money is at is not here. Here's where your FOIA goes goes sideways, guys. So this, this is for anyone listening. This will be perfect. It, you cannot FOIA a contractor. Mm. So what the government is doing is the the government is putting out all of their uh, pretty much everything. They're farming out everything that has uh, any the SAP programs are fully functioned and operated and sanctioned inside Raytheon, inside Lockheed Martin, yeah. inside all of these different yeah, um, Bigelow Airspace, Bigelow Air. Yeah, if you get this, if you called in a UFO sighting right now to the FAA, guess where your phone call goes? Bigelow. <laughs> It goes to Bigelow Airspace. Big, Bigelow, how can we help you? Yeah. Bigelow, <laughs> did you see a UFO today? Okay. 
you know, yeah. so and that's what they're doing. So and and as a four, if you put in a FOIA request, you you it'll come back saying that it's exempt because most of what you're asking for is probably built by a contractor, and that's where yeah. you hit the brick wall. You know, and if someone did a FOIA request on me and my my emails. Are now John? You know, I don't know if you know John Greenwald over at the Black Vault. Mm-hmm. But he, he has all my emails between me and Jack Safadi and and uh, well, uh, and, yeah. You know, and, and that's just it. You know, it wasn't until uh, someone like Lou Elizondo comes out, oh, <laughs> um, where where quite literally, um, he is the source of how we found him and Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. were the source of how we found out that UAP was the new designation. Yeah. And yeah. That, and that if you were making for your request for UFOs, there was a reason why you were getting a response of we no longer <laughs> investigate UFOs. Exactly. They're being they're as being utterly good. honest as they could. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. They're telling you the yeah. straight up truth. They no longer investigate that. They now investigate UAPs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of speaking of Lou Elizondo, me and him are having a huge battle right now nice. and, and uh He's operating under a well, stock account and all kinds of weird things. Now, it's, it's quite funny. I'll send it to you later. One of the one of the things that I because I have both of you gentlemen on uh, the line. Um, uh, I, I, I've got to talk about how all of this relates to things like Havana syndrome. How all of this relates to people like targeted individuals and how programs and things like the Patriot Act. Um, and uh, subsequent laws that are passed allow for programs like that to exist well you know mike kind of hit it on the head you know when he basically what he's talking about is the reason the FOIA requests weren't coming through is because a lot of the technology Ooh. had been privatized and, and you can't you can't do a FOIA request yeah. on a on a private contractor well the cia figured that out during mk ultra Oh, absolutely. You remember, the CIA really wasn't directly doing much of the research. It was farmed out to universities and to private think tanks, the, the yeah. ecology group, the eco fund, and just about every major university they had doing the research. And that's why when we started doing FOIA requests early on, thinking that Havana Syndrome and a lot of this technology yeah. was really a continuation of MK Ultra, well, I mean, you couldn't really find much, but what we were able to find were the financial documents. So we, we knew right. what universities the money was going to, and then we had to dig a little deeper to find out what the yeah. research was. And, you know, as you recall, we talked about all those sub-projects. I mean, that it was everything from childhood behavior to drugs effects on minds to adult behavior. I mean, it, sure. it, it left no stone unturned. Yeah. You know, so, and that's kind of what you have to do now because now they're funding out a lot of the surveillance to Facebook and to Twitter and that started, if you, you know, read some of, um, um, Bamford's books about the NSA early on from the nineties, even then AT&T and Southwestern Bell were giving the NSA access to their fiber optic lines uh, to put splitters oh, yeah. on specifically in San Francisco. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, I was say, there's a certain room in San Francisco that I man, was going to talk I, about. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid yeah. reading, there was a, there was a book that I used to, I, I checked it out so much that when I bought it from the public library down the road at a massive book sale, I think I was the only name on the card over so many years. And the book was called oh. Spy Tech. But that was a book that I read in eighth grade, man. 
that talked about the fact that there was a data center that listened to phone calls and triggered keywords for the Secret Service and stuff like that. And this was a book that was published in like 1981. And we we had remember we had days where people would get on the phone and they were we were all asked to say one word like bomb 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 you know just to right. see if the systems can handle it. Well, I mean, Pfizer's nineteen seventy eight. Yeah. Well, yeah. and uh, you know even even now whenever you look at the fact of, uh, I'm sure we're we're all members of Facebook. I know John isn't as active as we guys are. No, I got but, off Facebook. Yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah. I'm I know. Not on Facebook. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but, you. yeah, I mean, <laughs> Facebook straight up came out and started asking people like, hey, you know, are any of your friends possibly of the extremist mentality? And it's mm, like, wow, who's defining friend, that extremist? Right. Who's yeah. defining <laughs> extremism? Because if it's the FBI, I find I find tapping uh, MLK's phone pretty friggin extremist. Dude, I grew up with an eight track <laughs> player and a two XL. <laughs> And Dark Tower, the board game, and I don't, oh, yeah, I don't know Facebook. I know how to operate a rotary phone. There you go. You know, Facebook could kiss my ass. John, yeah, we, John we with a quarter in his shoe, there. just in case he finds a payphone. Yeah, if we want internet, if we wanted internet, we just need a thousand watt linear and a good skip day. That's it. Give me a shortwave yeah. radio, and I'm home. Exactly. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's phenomenal to me. I'm uh, amongst everybody in this panel, the youngest person by far. And I was, I was teaching seventh and 11th graders at the time that 9-11 happened. And I remember being flabbergasted. And granted, we were in Houston, Texas. Um, mm-hmm. and once again, uh, it, it's hard to grasp the grandiosity of such an event. Uh, much less whenever you're in 7th or 11th grade. But I remember being taken aback by the fact of, like, I don't think any of these kids understand the far-reaching repercussions of this. What was Mike going to say about San Francisco? Oh, uh, well, there's a certain room that was capped in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. The, the the technician went in and basically you tap into the, what was a bell? It was one of the bell... Uh, companies back then because they were all separated. Bell West, Bell West, where it was, and goes in and he basically we had to we here we go giving out some fun stuff. Um, we had to rent the office to get access to the closet that essentially had all of the cables that were coming into this building, which handled almost every call for the West Coast. I worked in those buildings, by the way. Oh, good. Okay, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> so they had to Old, keep Folsom Street. Uh huh. Yep. Exactly. I think it was 109. Uh, I can't remember the the, the number on the on the on the unit that was there, but about you, you probably you might know it. Financial. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so they they rented the whole they had to rent the whole floor just to get, to keep gaining access and have a fictitious company and people going in and out and there was just one girl that kept going in and out that everyone was falling in love with. But anyway, so once they they got to a certain point, it just it it became an issue with the power that was necessary to divert the calls and they came into some other, I could tell you a funny story about San, San Antonio, but, but that issue started to get leaked out back to the company. We had an agreement with the company to do that and to gather all of that, that data. But the, the problem was we didn't have the memory to take the data. There was nowhere to put it. So it was, it was a, a very, 
very badly handled situation where you basically bit off a lot more than you could choose. So they really just didn't know what to do with it. And uh, it becomes an issue. Then San Antonio was born. And then that's when they started getting, you know, their stuff together. That's when Prism started coming to fruition and, and, and basically all of, all of that. And Echelon was in full swing. But the data came, just so you guys know, a lot of people think that a lot of our communications go through satellites. It really doesn't. A, a, a huge portion goes through the cable Absolutely. that go, uh, a huge yeah. So when you, when you, exactly, exactly. And yeah. so any overseas calls, people think they're going through a satellite. No, they're, they're actually going on, on these cables underneath the ocean. And when you see certain three letter agencies have submarines, you start to wonder what's going on here. Well, I mean, so. hey, you know, any, anybody with an electric guitar yeah. can tell you with enough, with enough copper winding, you can pick up a radio signal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, all you got to do yep. is put that magnet and that copper wire right next to that. Sit on yeah. enough quartz. You'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they can do that. Yeah, again, plus, people don't realize that whenever you turn on a television, an old school television, and that, that hissing sound that you hear in the background, that white noise that you see, that's the cosmic background radiation from when, this, when the whole universe was born. So if, if that yep. is so simple and so prevalent across the, the spectrum of the electromagnetic spectrum, you can imagine the signals that you can pick up. I remember when, when we were using MAD, which is Magnetic Anomaly Detection, where we started using it in the Air Force to track submarines. That was, that was, a, that was in the 80s. Wow. Back, um, wow, yeah. You know, so, for submarine busting, uh, yeah. torpedo, like plane launch torpedoes, things like that. Yeah, and the, the the magic of that was was that you didn't have to use sonar, you didn't have to use underwater like the the Kona, uh, sonar listening devices, which which is still there to this day. It still works and functions properly. But when they started moving the apparatus up, you got a much wider swath. So they basically mapped the entire Earth's magnetic background, and anything that moves through it is is trackable. And now it's higher than planes, so you can imagine how we're doing it. Same exact yeah. concept as the passive radar that they were using yeah. on the Roosevelt and everything else. You know, yep. basically detecting anomalies within the within the ambient electromagnetic field. Yep, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and that and that and that just really tore the Soviet Union apart as far as us being able to track their submarines. Because yeah. you know, even if you look for the hunt, you, you saw the movie Hunt for Red October. They're trying to make more and more silent uh, submarines. That movie was based on a lot of fact, and Tom Clancy sure. was given unbelievable access to a lot of the information that it found its way into that movie. Um, and a lot of, some of it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, well, but, and I mean, of course people like Steve Peasnick and stuff like that yeah. were, uh, good friends with him and did a yep. lot of con consultation on his books. And that, that's just it, you know, much like whenever you bought, brought Jack Sarfati on the show, the, the technology <laughs> is there. It's yeah. there. Um, the, the technology of microwave weaponry to target specific people is there. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that there are literal provisions for using technology like that within Patriot Act, uh, within subsequent yeah. laws where, uh, you know, it may not be labeled as such, but to use that type of technology, I mean, they've been using microwave activated bugs since 1962, 63, you know, where it's a passive bug sitting in the back, back of a, 
picture frame, but hit mm-hmm. that wall with some microwave radiation, and the bug is powered now, and you can hear everything on that same microwave frequency. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So to to use that same kind of technology amped up or focused in a different way to target a person's specific transduction, because, of course, um, one of the great articles that we posted here recently that has exactly to do with this um, is the fact that the brain is actively a transducer, not a computer. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that, um, it's... It absolutely makes a whole lot more sense uh, the way that microwave radiation can be used and possibly even specifically tuned. If you're able to use an EEG pulse, as we've talked about before, doctor, um, to EEG heterodyne somebody at a distance, no different than being able to find out what microwave frequency would specifically affect that brain at a distance, right? True, and well, that's you know, a big, big, hmm? go, go ahead, Doctor Hall. Too, but they they hadn't elucidated the symptoms and the problems you were going to have from chronic use mm. of that technology, and that's what you're now seeing in the Havana syndrome people. Yeah. And, and there's even been some question as I know they're trying to blame that on Russia, but there's even been some questions of whether or not it's Russia doing that. So yeah, Sorry. yeah. There's there's nothing saying that it's it's not our technology that we've used to bug the Cuban embassy, you know? Well, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, there, there's there's no embassy in the world that we don't have bugged. And it, it's just, yeah. it's, it just goes goes to the territory. You know, we there's we have a specially modified KC-135. I think Tom Lockhart runs that program out of the Air Force Research Laboratory. And that plane has been modified three or four times since I was in. And that aircraft, uh, w- back when the Star Wars program was, was starting off and everything, you know, there's a lot of money going to SDI. That aircraft was flying around with one hellacious laser, uh, that was, this is all true story. You can you'd probably find this stuff on the internet, but the, uh, like everything on the internet is true. But, um, you know, this aircraft was, was back then had a laser power enough to fire well over a hundred miles and take out specific targets. I mean, the focus wasn't as, as good as it is today, but imagine that laser back then. Now imagine it fast forward to now and what we can do and where that platform may be because several of the, uh, the optics that were designed for some of the, the craft uh, that are going into space have the spe- same specific optics and ground lenses that are made for lasers, not for optics. So it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out Lockheed Martin obviously makes the, the KA series. And if you look at some of those, you know, those satellites, obviously the KA series satellites looks just like a Hubble telescope. It's, just, it's the same, it's the same company made it. Um, so you have these, these objects that are moving around in atmosphere, out of atmosphere that could take out targets at any time. And the, like the microwave energy that you're talking about, you got directed the, uh, all the directed energy weapons, which includes sound, which includes electromagnetic spectrum, which also includes a light light spectrum, and infrared and, and every other way in between. Now look at gamma and then look at x-rays. And the doctors can tell tell what happens when you fire enough gamma at someone or enough x-ray at somebody, um, you know, what the outcome will be. Yeah. It's not going to be pretty. Well, and same thing like you're talking about with different particle beams. You know, mm-hmm. certain particle beams that may not release gamma, but they do release gamma on impact. 
Sure. And, and that's kind of the problem with some of the, some of the particle beams that, um, they have been used experimentally. And, and that was one of the reasons that I titled my book guinea pigs is early on the microwave energy and the, the th- same things that are causing Havana syndrome was being used, I think, mm-hmm. experimentally on the public. But I think now the experimentation is pretty well done. I think they've got the technology down pat. And like you were talking about with some of the laser, you know, stuff that, you know, they've got on planes now, it, it always intrigued me that all of a sudden they were able to close heart down. Well, you know, it, it, the only reason to close heart down is because you modified it into a smaller package. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 No longer necessary to have that big ass antenna sitting there. And they, they gave it to a university, no. I think, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think they yeah. gave it over to Alaska University or something, but. You know, the, 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 the weapons that are on our next generation aircraft, which is our sixth generation aircraft, uh, those are, uh, well beyond what, um, what we're probably even thinking of to some degree because they're, they're modularized. Just like a plane can, can take off with a, a package for air to ground or a package for air to air or a mixture of both. The, the new aircraft, which, um, which is going to look surprisingly like the SR-72 for some reason. Mm. Um, but this, this aircraft has the ability of, of doing one thing that's never really been done before. Fire backwards. I mean, how, how hard is it? Wow. To, the only thing that's been going out the back has been chaff and flares, right? So now they have 360 degree, uh, awareness. The full, the, the, uh, I can't remember the letters on JM and AC, whatever it is, the helmet is. Um, Full awareness. So when they look around, they see through the plane. You don't, you don't see your instruments unless you flip a switch and you see the instruments. But inside that visor, which I put on my head, it's rather odd. It's, it's way beyond virtual reality, like you see with the, the HoloLens or anything like that. Um, oh, yeah. but, you, but you can, you can, you're literally looking through the aircraft, um, and there's no real obstacles. Uh, but the advantage now is, is that they can actually fire every single weapon on board the aircraft forward, backward, and sideways. And wow. that's going to be a, a key thing. And that includes modularized um, uh, energy or directed energy weapons as well. So you're going to have a combination of both. You're not going to have pylons outside of the plane. You're going to have these things inside the plane firing through either sapphire glass or whatever. Um, and that's pretty amazing. So sure, uh, electronic countermeasures is, is gone to a whole new level with DRFM, which is a uh, uh, DRFM is uh, digital radio uh, frequency uh, memory, where these planes can mimic any other plane in the world. So a plane, one of our planes flying, can literally make itself look like it's a hundred planes flying towards you, or one plane, or a hundred planes flying at tic tac speeds. Um, yeah. yeah. And that that technology I have confirmed with Mercury Systems, and anyone can look this up. It's Mercury Systems uh, and uh, DRFM. If you want to do an internet search. You will find a lot of technology that explains a lot of things that we're seeing in our skies right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we've definitely had that conversation. Yeah. I've got the, the, uh, Mercury Mission Critical Systems website up right now. Um, and, and I mean, even right now, go, go into the Lockheed Martin website, like I was just mm-hmm. a minute ago, looking at their L400 series of satellites. Yeah. I mean, dude. You're talking about the L-400 bus can be delivered as quickly as 24 months from order and requires minimal engineering for payload integration. It features higher power and more vulnerable, more maneuverable 
propulsion yep. than other satellites <laughs> in the class. You're talking yep. four to eight hundred kilograms. Yep. And in, when a I was size the format, in a size format of 1.1 by 1. 1.7 mm-hmm. meters. That's yep. crazy. That's like the size yeah. of an office chair. It's it, yeah, it's amazing. And the um, you know, and they're they're going to full module. I was there last last year. I think that the video is on my channel. You can actually see me at mm-hmm. Stunkworks. And um, you know, when when you go through that facility, and you know, you're some th- some things they want you to see are kind of like, hey, you know, like you'll see it, but you're not supposed to know you've seen it, or you're not supposed to say anything or whatever. And you start putting two and two together, you start realizing, and then you just I hang around the city for a week. I didn't go there just a one day for a one hour thing. I was there for yeah. a full week going to the local bars and talking to the people who work there just to get an idea of what's going on. And some of the things that, that you hear, of course, they're not telling you full on secrets or whatever because you don't want to do that. But at the same time, the conversations naturally drift that way. But some of the technologies that it's like we've gone through a leap in the last four or five years where we've skipped over a generation or yep. something. So we're, you know, we're on our sixth generation aircraft and we're, te- we're really on seven and everybody else is trying to make their fifth still. It's well, just uh, well, and, and that's what I've, that's what I've said every single time that we've talked about the UAP stuff, mm-hmm. everything, Mike, is that you cannot be announcing to the public that you have a hypersonic intercept weapon ready uh-huh. to, ready and capable and tested to intercept hypersonic payloads well, who the hell's got hypersonic payloads? When did we hit hypersonic? When did when did ten thousand miles yeah. per hour become the baseline? Yeah, is what I want to ask. November sixteenth of two thousand and four. That's, that's, yeah. that's the last time we got that close. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, once yeah. again, people forget the fact that we've had the X thirty seven flying successful. It returned from its yeah. first three year long successful mission yeah. in twenty twelve. What was it doing? It was flying over our heads, unmanned for three straight years, and we didn't know. So, and and that's just it. That's what we do. Same way that I I remember the proud announcement at Panama when it was like, "Check out our new fighter!" By the way, Um, that just kind of came in without radar signature. By the way, that's a thing now. We just Mm -hmm. we just whipped Manuel Noriega with it. Um, yep. like, uh, isn't that amazing? The F one seventeen is retired. We've lived through the yeah. entire, the, the entire cycle of this amazing aircraft. We've seen it come. We've seen it go. It was around for twenty years before we even knew about it. Uh, well, before most so people knew about it. But I, I was cool. just, I was just asked a question by a listener out sure. there. Um, what sure. is a Heaven Whistler is asked? What is the best example to explain this technology to somebody with only a basic knowledge? Um, uh, that's a good question. Uh, doctor, yeah. doctor, let's uh, yeah. let's let you answer that real yeah, quick yeah. because I think you go into a lot of the common uses of this technology uh, in your books, um, guinea pigs, as well as satellite yeah. breed and new terrorism. So I'm going to throw this one to you first off. What is the the best way to explain this technology to someone that? With a with a not a very good understanding of it, is that how is that how I'm getting yeah. the question correct? Yeah, yeah, a real world example. Well, I, I, you know, well, I, I think the best example would be a you know it's it's a control factor. You know, like I wrote in the book. I mean, it's 
it's a technology that gives you the ability to either um, unwittingly or, or at least unwilling, unwittingly on the victim's um, aspect of it to control either an individual or control a culture or control a group. Uh, and you can you can do it. You can control an individual or a group this way to basically behave in the manner that you want them to behave. So, I mean, all of this technology at its at its base is a, a control mechanism. Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing, especially talking to Mike, hearing Mike talk about all the technology, and while we have had technology grow in leaps and bounds, that technology really can only victimize another culture or another society that's dependent on higher technology, as we've seen yeah. in Vietnam and we saw right. in Afghanistan. The best way to defeat modern technology is to go back to older technology yep. or even ancient technology yeah and you know it, it's kind of like the taliban said you may have the watches but we have the time yep um same yep. thing in vietnam you know those people dove down into caves and uh you would bomb the shit out of the countryside and find three bodies because they just weren't there to be bombed yeah uh, right. same thing in afghanistan they fought out of caves they run back to pakistan which was really who we were at war with in afghanistan was pakistan and um but you know, when you when you're faced with overwhelming technology, you go back to the basics. And you know, in Afghanistan, and Michael tell you, you know, they the Taliban and the fighters there, they used runners passing notes. They didn't oh, use walkie talkies because they yeah. they'd be intercepted. Yeah, yeah they I, went they went straight Thermopylae, man. They went straight up like hand to hand message <laughs> message carrier via twelve mile run if they had to. Hey, you if know? you wanted to see the funniest sight ever, if you walked into Rock, which is a remote operations command, if you walked into that room about 2012 or so, you would have seen a room full of Sony and X, uh, Sony yeah. Playstations and Xboxes, yeah. and it seen 600 guys sitting there that are part of you know the tailored access operations uh, part of that center. You would see these people on those games playing games all day long, wondering what in the hell is going on here? And what was going on was that all of the, the ISIS providers and, and all of that, they were using the chat inside those yep. game systems to talk. And the only way, the only way you could get access to it was to actually was be to, in the game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and Ironically, Mike, you know, but before you were on, we were talking yeah. about the NSA bases here in San Antonio. And by yeah, the way, uh, anybody wants to read a really good book that was written a long time ago about that, James Banford, The Shadow Factory. Yeah. And uh, yeah. he mentioned some of the, the first NSA bases that were started here in San Antonio. But one of them is specifically a cryptology center to monitor PlayStation Live and Xbox, yeah. Xbox Live. And well, because I can they, tell you they figured that out that that's a good <laughs> communication platform. Yep, that's where yeah. Rock is. It's actually the old Sony plant, uh, the Sony manufacturing plant right across the street. There's a Walmart and the apartments behind it, or whatever. That's where I stayed for a while. But in, uh, if you look, if you want to hear a funny story, and you you probably already know this. Oh, yeah, over, they, over off of 151. Yeah, exactly. So so it's a beautiful building because it, it was a Sony chip manufacturing plant, is what it was, and then they never finished it or whatever. The, the building was dormant, and then uh, NSA went ahead and bought it and then, you know, converted it in, into a nice facility. There's chillers everywhere. When you see that many chillers going on, yeah. you know there's some major computing going on. But here's a funny story, story for you, and you and you may already know this, Doc, is 
back then they were running in some of the uh, the, the uh, internal security wiring and some of the communications, and those communications were bleeding over into a frequency that was making the garage doors in the neighborhood <laughs> go up and down. Oh, yeah. And uh, you remember yeah. that? <laughs> and so we're yeah, all out there. Was, and it like, was doing more than that. Some people were losing their all their wiring in their home. Yep, yep. It was it was basically frying everything, and from 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 reverse, it was, it was bypassing any of the yeah. any of the circuitry that was in there. So and, and so the the TV station was out there, you know, filming down the street, and they're watching the doors go up and down, and and uh, we're and they're looking at this, and we're going, I wonder if that's us. <laughs> is, that, is that what's going on here? And so everybody runs back inside. They start shutting everything down like like people are coming. To, I mean, like people are coming to get us. You know, you couldn't get anywhere near the facility. But um, but that story is is still out there. And to this day, I don't know if they. I mean, I, I know they finally, you know, you know, put the blame on. They yeah, they found something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, that was some fun times. <laughs> and my answer for Heaven now, Whistler. Did you ever? Did you ever? Did you ever work at the Southwest Learning Center on Wurzbach and Tioga? No, no, no. I just that came in. Another and, NSA yeah. yeah. And <laughs> my my answer for Heaven Whistler is right here in my hand. If you if you want somebody with a basic knowledge, um, I, I do some light circuit design, soldering, things like that. But I was mm-hmm. able to buy this kit for uh, not the housing. I designed the PVC housing myself because I'm classy. Um. But I saw yourself. We uh we we regularly discuss the spotlight system on the yeah. show, Doctor, and it's used by museums. It was first used and tested in uh here you go, John. Uh, it was first used and tested in supermarkets in like I want to say the Netherlands to to sell bananas, and it was the yeah, fact that whenever you came people. within the narrow beam of okay. this focused speaker. Um, what's called the parametric speaker, where you can literally tune the distance at which the audio is heard and the width. So, like, if you walked within this three-meter beam or this three-foot beam of sound 20 feet away, you would hear this message. But if you walked within that three feet 19 feet away or 21 feet away, you wouldn't hear it. Yep, um, yep. It's used. It's technology used in museums all the time. Things like that, where you walk in front of an exhibit and you can hear what the exhibit is about, but mm-hmm. you walk three feet away to look at the next painting and you hear nothing. And this is yeah. what it looks like inside, folks. You can see there's like an array of ultrasonic piezos there. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I can go. I can go mm-hmm. into the back with a little screwdriver and actively like tune the distance and stuff like that um so i've got something for you to make but i've got a great toy for you to make i want you to make this okay now that we, we have i'm not allowed to make a lot of the toys that we talk about mike by yeah, order know, of my this, wife this is a fun one you remember my laser <laughs> you remember the laser i brought over there right yeah that's but, one of the reasons i'm not allowed to play with toys that we talk about mike because I now have a burning laser, uh, <laughs> but um, you can make you can make a microphone out of a laser, and oh, you sure. can fire that laser at a at a at a window that's a, a large distance away. And if you have a sensitive enough uh, mm-hmm. uh, receiver, you can yeah. actually hear what's going on. And it is amazingly simple to make. Now the good yeah. ones. You know, they're made by a company. The LM4000 is probably the best one I've seen, but um, these things are incredible. And if you combine that with a parabolic 
uh, uh, parabolic yep. microphone in, in, uh, in what they call the bionic ear, you can actually be a one-man band as far as being able to listen to conversations that are over a quarter of a mile away. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's just it. Any of this stuff, anybody with a decent basic knowledge of soldering and electronics, mm-hmm. man, you can hop onto yep. eBay and buy DIY kits for this stuff all day long, you yep. know? Where it's like insert part well, one into par- into slot one on the board yeah. and solder it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, it, and I think I think I told you this story, Chris. I know. I, um, you know, as far as directed energy weapons, you know, they're, mm. they're not always just something completely dastardly. But we do have directed energy weapons that can either cause you to have a bowel movement or cause you to have sure. headaches or just oh, irritate yeah. you. And I actually, my, my office staff <laughs> didn't necessarily believe any of that when my first book came out. So I brought one to the office that I happen to have since I have to test out a lot of this stuff. And uh, and this is powered with a 9-volt battery. It's about the size of a pack of cigarettes. And you mm-hmm. can set it anywhere in an office and turn it on. And it took about 10 minutes before my staff started coming back to my office going, okay, we've all got headaches, we're all getting irritable, and we're all pissed <laughs> off at each other. Yeah, Whatever yeah. it is you're doing, turn it off. You know, and it's, yeah. and it's not audible. I mean, it's nope. not that they're hearing nope. a loud pitch noise or anything like that. It is strictly directed energy. Yeah. Yep. Yes. There's another another one that um, there's a there's a uh, a test disc out there. It's called Techmaster PEB, <laughs> and it's a you may you may remember this one. Oh um, yeah. We had these uh, back when the movie Earthquake came out. They used Sirwin Vegas speakers to reproduce the sounds to to make the seats move and make you think that they were vibrating the seats when in fact it was just really these badass speakers. So TechMaster PEB, the test disc, had a special spot on the disc, so you had to enter the track number to get to it. There's the only way you can find these these locations. And it had a, a certain frequency, track number 99, that if you had the proper size speakers, it would run at a resonance of 2 to 12 hertz, which you can't hear, but your body and the inside of your abdomen can feel it. And it will absolutely make you sick as a dog. And so I, I, I had some neighbors I didn't really like that much when I was back in Jacksonville. And I decided, well, let me see if this works. Just kind of like what you did with the, with the, with the cigarette pack powered by the 9 volt yeah. battery thing. Um, I just turned my speakers towards the wall and let it run while I went to work. And then I came home and, and, uh, you know, I didn't notice anything was going on, but the next day they were moving. And I asked what was wrong. And he said, I don't know. We think it's the lead. We think there's lead in the paint. We're all sick and all this other stuff. He says, you're not sick? You don't feel anything? No, man, I don't have a problem at all. He says, yeah, it seems like right at about 5, 6 o'clock it stops. You know, I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe it's some weird virus you guys have or something. But good good luck. See you guys later. You can use use sound for healing, too. Absolutely. Yes, you can. Well, yeah. As, Frequency 528, Dr. Leonard Horowitz out in, uh, out in Hawaii. He's, he's a, he's a professor of, of, of that frequency. I don't know if that's a, that's a frequency that, that, um, you guys are familiar with, but that's, I heard that a long time ago, but it, I never got into it. But uh, by people that are there tell me that it truly does function and works for them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I make frequency mm-hmm. healing music. I use frequencies mm-hmm. in my music. Oh, sure. Um, we all do. Well, oh, well, yeah. I mean, Specifically, specific qualities in your brain, things like that. So, yeah. um, I'm and a bad company for you. Now, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, before we wrap this episode, real quick, gents, thank you so much for such a great panel this evening. 
Um, let's kind of round robin the table real quick. We'll start with Mike Turber, move on to the good doctor, and then John, and then I'll wrap things up for everybody. But let's uh, let's kind of have our dudes and beer called it moment here. Of what do you think uh, the the next shoe to drop, so to speak, as far as um, things related and to my, our our freedom I just say in this my way. Answer gets to follow these two guys. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I gave you I plenty of time to think off. about oh it, God. so don't I'm, complain. I'm going to learn a lot in the next let's, few minutes. <laughs> let's start with you, Mike. Go ahead. What do you think? Okay. Uh, like you know, surveillance-wise, things like that. What do you think the next shoe to drop because of things like the Patriot Act, FISA court, uh, that kind of stuff is going to be? I think we have been conditioned to accept the things that are happening as a people. I don't think any one of us here really worry every time we pick up the phone and call somebody that, that NSA is listening in and all this other stuff. We've kind, we've kind of grown to accept it. If we get to a point where we need to have secure communications, just like I do when we talk to in, in Afghanistan and we, we've got generals that we have on the phone, and just like a few minutes ago we had, had a couple generals, um, we all are on a secure communication line. All by a Not, Zoom, right? No, 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 no. This is, this, yeah. No, 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 senor. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, you know, so, so we, 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 have given away things. We've given away some rights, we think, in expectation of some sort of freedoms. Um, and, and that is something that I don't really agree with. I, I have a problem with that. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Edward Snowden did, you know, of course he, he's a, he's a traitor in one way, but he's also a hero in another. And I mm-hmm. look at him both ways and I don't have a choice but to look at him both ways because it's just factually that's why you have to do it. But as far as the freedoms, the things, the things that, I expect to drop next. Once we go through the next cycle of, of technological innovations, we are going to get to a point where the speed is so fast and that the bandwidth is so much and so great that, and, and people like Elon Musk are, ex, are exploring AI and, and all of yeah. the, the realm, the realm of pre-consciousness going into a computer, you know, of us being able to do amazing things. I think the trade-off is that we won't care anymore. At some point, our society will be all inclusive anyway. It's going to be done by design or by, um, by natural selection or anything anyway. Eventually, we have to get to that point or we're just going to die out anyway. So we have to sit back and, and take a look at ourselves and realize that, okay, at some point, we're all going to be part of each other anyway, so to speak. Is that something that we want or do we truly want to be individuals with with absolute privacy and things of that nature. Um, you know, and then once that occurs, we're going to flip either. We're going to lose ourselves as a society and we're going to go by the wayside and we're not going to get to a level one, even a level one society or two, we're going to sit there and accept it. And we're going to live in a Star Trek kind of world and, and where everybody is, uh, working for the same, same common goal of, of moving society and, and humanity forward. Hopefully that'll be the way we go, and and war will be a thing of the past because it's a it's a dumb thing to do. But yeah, here we are. Well, we're historically pretty stupid, Mike. 
Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, it's just like looking at the Drake equation when you when you think about yeah. it, and you look at other systems that, w- that we would we would do the math and determine there's you know millions of possible civilizations out there, but where are they, so to speak? We, you know, get the, the Fermi paradox. But when you start thinking back on ourselves, if you turn that equation around to ourselves. You know, we've only been around for a hundred years where we actually had enough technology to where someone would be able to hear us to begin with. So our bubble is really small to begin with. Barely but a blink over, of an eye. Yeah, barely a blink of an eye in, in, in the history. And how many blinks have we had before? How many blinks yeah. have other civilizations had before? You know, and and if this is if this is it, I can see how very few civilizations would ever make it to the point where they actually go mm. interstellar. So yeah. it's bad, but but it is what it is. Yeah. Um Doctor, what do you what do you see as the what is coming on the horizon uh, as far as these issues? Well, and I I kind of agree with Mike when you know expectation of privacy. The only the only ones of us that really remember what kind of true privacy probably was like are those of us that are over fifty. Yeah, and I'll tell you why I believe that is when I lecture to college students or high school students and we talk about the evils of surveillance and how the government doesn't need to know everything and I get the same answer every time from people under 40 and it's like well the government already is going to know everything you do what's it matter as long as you're not doing anything wrong then then what's it matter if they know well then you have to explain to them that wrong is a, a product of the moment you know, mm-hmm. you know, like right now it may be wrong to be pro-life or it may be wrong to be Christian, but you know, in the next political cycle, it, yeah. it may be turned around just the opposite. So you have to explain that to the, the younger people, but they've already been brainwashed to live in what Robert Duncan and myself called a hive society. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As, as Mike kind of was circling around that they're basically looking for a way to create a society that functions like a hive where you have one system giving the orders and everybody else just kind of following along and doing the job that's been assigned to them. And it is rapidly Mm. coming to that. Now, will that bring peace and harmony and no more war, or will it bring just a different type of war? Because we're we're warring animals by nature. Yeah. Um, So I don't know if AI will ever fix that. And the other thing we worry about is, in order to achieve this, you're going to have to achieve it through more and more radio frequency, more and more Wi-Fi. And, mm-hmm. and what is that going to do to, to the humans in general? Right. You know, we weren't ever meant to be immersed in constant radio signals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's an absolute truth. And that is definitely, definitely something to consider. The fact that, you know, um, and, and something that we used to talk about regularly with our former guest uh arshaw mccleskey out of the san antonio area he's now an investigator with the san antonio uh da's office um but is is that whole right to consent you know you you have a child that's just shortly younger than my own doctor and uh for those that know me and follow me on social media i have i have never once used my son's name in association with a picture that I posted yeah, with him. I, I don't have a family at all, by the way. I, I'm, I'm related to nobody. <laughs> well, it's, but it, it, to me, it's the fact of, as, as we used to point out with him, um, at what point will we see the emancipation trials of kids because their parents 
unobligingly gave away their biometric data on social yep. media. You know, like I jokingly made fun of it whenever me and my family went to Disney, whenever they're like, yeah, have your family hold your hands out. Put your hands out this way. Put your legs out. I'm like, they're literally getting your stride and the length of your arms. They're like getting so much biometric data from you with every single picture. That's and why you've signed needs a to big, move out to the woods. You've signed, that, you've that signed a document <laughs> saying they can use it. Advice. Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, God. Let's you know. go to the woods. Move to the woods. Hunt something. Yeah. Yeah, fresh water. John, John. Um, maybe that. Maybe they'll call that the Nirvana syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Either that or suing people over nude pictures would be the Nirvana syndrome. Um, yeah, now, John, right. what what that's is your hard. call? What is your dudes and beer called at moment for what you see on the horizon in the world of surveillance and uh, you, well, know, you know nine eleven gone says, awry. Biden says we have those horizon capabilities. So <laughs> I think yeah. I think we've got things pretty well figured out. Yeah. Uh, but it's working so well. <laughs> there was a there was a lawyer in seventeen ninety, his name was James Wilson, and he said without liberty, law loses its nature and its name and becomes oppression. And he basically said it again just so mm. you, you understood that. So you take that quote and you funnel everything that we've gone through in the past 20 years through it, and you realize that without liberty being a part of law, especially American law, yeah, it's no longer law. We're, we're living in a lawless country. So you ask what could happen? Well, technology. Whatever happens with technology, wherever technology goes, that's where we're going and it's going to be... You know, there, you can't totally predict everything. The global controllers, you know, Klaus Schwab, you know, and Fauci and, mm. and you know, whoever's controlling Biden's, uh, what's a better way to put it than strings, you know, to his battery life. Hand sticks? Yeah. He's, he's like, he put a battery in him. <laughs> That's what like, Kermit the Frog had. Go do this, Biden. Okay. <laughs> I'll go take the blame for the worst disaster in U.S. foreign policy. Sure. I don't want to talk about it anymore, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All, no, the, you know, all that other stuff going on. I mean, he's, he is a complete robot. The Chinese probably control with a remote control. So what's going to happen is we're going to lose our right to vote. Uh, they're going to rig everything. Okay. And uh, all of these people will get into power. Um, and then there will be a revolution that Klaus Schwab has been talking about all this time. And that revolution will be a macrocosm of the microcosm that happened on January 6th. And now we will all... Interesting. We will all be... The people languishing in jail right now in Washington D.C. Interesting. So that's, that's and, and he is right. Klaus, Klaus Schwab doesn't. I've read his his works, including the Great Reset. Yeah. And what he doesn't take into account is there are, you know, is a, a sizable amount of people who still want sovereignty. Oh and, yeah. Uh, and and I think the best quote I ever saw was "Secrecy begets bad law. Bad law begets bad policy." Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, myself, uh, for, for my call here, uh, because, well, Lord knows I'm not going to not take my own moment for a dudes and beer called it moment. Um, I really see the fact that, um, probably, and I've held this for a long, long time. I've heard it from numerous doctors on site. Um, I predict the fact that we will more than likely within the next year have a COVID passport on our phones, on our mobile devices. It will be tied to, if, if you're aware of the fact that there are still, I think, six states that don't have the unified ID it'll program. Be atta- it'll be attached to the social it'll credit be, system. It'll be attached to your, it'll be definitely attached to your license, all that, you know, barcode, so that whenever you go from state to state or cross the state line, they can literally pull you over and find out immediately, hey, man, if you've got to be vaccinated to be in the state of Boston, state of Massachusetts, you know, like I know my sister-in-law had to have like a verified COVID negative test within 24 hours of her flight uh, to come back from Disney to get to get in. So um, I know it will be attached to my TSA pre-check eventually. It's going to happen. Um, and, you know, for, for me, the fact of that and probably the fact I wouldn't say that we necessarily lose the right to vote, but I would definitely see the fact that within the next five to ten years, we will see America move to a crypto wallet mm-hmm. as far as banking. And within that, within that crypto wallet and crypto chain will be your voting. Will will be a secure means of voting from your mobile device. Yeah, in conjunction with your, your social media credits or bullshit. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I mean, absolutely. I mean, that, that's what that's for to begin with, is to find out whether or not your vote's good. Um, but I think our voting should be done by IQ. If you're, if you're, if your IQ or your social smartness level is a special thing, you get like eight votes if you have a better IQ than say someone else. And that, that would be helpful. I think we could probably solve yeah. a lot of problems. Uh, if, you look, if you look at this, if we had two, the two people that basically run for our president office each year, the last few elections that we have, if you sit back and think about this, is this really the two best people that could represent two. our country? Well, I mean, come on. Well, <laughs> number one, number one, come on, man. Uh, wait, there it is. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, man. I'm sitting there looking at the screen. I got Hillary Clinton on one side. I got Bill. I got, uh, I got Trump on the other. Oh, my gosh. No. You I'm get... related to eight presidents, at least. Well, right, and, wow. uh, the, the thing is, well, you know, um, this the, we've said it numerous times on this show. A two-party political system is in and of itself. If I means talk that, like this, it, you think it, I could run for president? No. Um, I wouldn't recommend it, John. Uh, <laughs> I'm, running, I'm John Donald, and, running for president. And, and, and uh, I love you, um, but I wouldn't I just, recommend it. I just it. told Tom DeLong to run. Tom DeLong's out there doing his political thing. I'm like, okay, Tom, why don't you run for president then, if you've got some, some kick-ass way to handle yeah, it. Yeah, well, and, you know, <laughs> once again, just to, just to wrap this up, I want to thank all you gentlemen for taking the time tonight. Uh, you are all astute in your own means and in your own ways when it comes to these means of control, the, the history of control, the way in which these, these laws have long and reaching tendrils, um, amongst our society and the, the fact that 
while most people are playing checkers, the they are are playing chess. While while we're busy playing twenty one, they're busy playing poker. Like long play, I'm ready to play for seventy two hours straight. Poker, yeah. you know, and we're there to we're there to get two or three hours of fun at a at a blackjack right. table. You yep. know, Mike's Bar and Casino, liquor in the front, poker in the rear. There, there, it's just, it's exactly. It, it is. It's two different mentalities, two different mindsets, and uh, unfortunately, um, most most Americans and most people have the mindset of the president makes a difference when all of the special access programs and other branches of government understand that the president is a temporary employee. On yep. the Open Society Foundation. So, Foundation. on yep. on that note, gentlemen, I want to thank you all, always, especially um, Mike and Doctor John, the the ways and and tunnels that y'all have taken us down with this show and with our audience have been fantastic. Uh, y'all have helped grow us so much, John. Um, all of your contributions with reports and things like that, um, I I cannot do this show without. So, thank you, my friend. Well, um, let's start doing this on a regular basis. We're gonna, yeah, this is fun. I just the, the mix is really good. I, yeah. I, I have been thoroughly enjoyed myself. I could well, be, be your anchorman. We will, we will <laughs> definitely be doing your as as we move forward with Curious Realm. We will be doing many more panels on topics like this. Check so, this um, what's okay. this? I'll bring Lou Alexander next week. <laughs> well, on that note, everybody, uh, gentlemen, please do hold the line while we close things out. Um, while you are online checking out all the amazing work of John Bound over here to my right, um, woo, with, <laughs> sorry about that, uh, John Bound with Daily News Collective, along with his, his other show, John Bound Politics, while you're online checking out all of the great work of Mike Turber at 5x5 News and the amazing books of our good friend, Dr. John Hall, Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control, as well as Satellite Breed, A New Terrorism. Uh, stop on by Curious Realm, everybody. That's where you can find everything that is Dudes and Beer. You can still go to dudesandbeer.com. That's where all the episodes are officially posted. So, um, But come December... Uh, episode 350 we're we're almost there uh everything will be curious realm until next time take care of yourselves take care of each other remember if you can't be good be good at it we'll talk to you soon bye-bye thanks for listening to this episode of the dudes and beer podcast to listen to our audio streams or chat with us live download the official dudes and beer app for android and iDevices available on google play and itunes markets for more episodes, content, and information, visit us online at dudesandbeer.com. You can also find our episodes on Breach.tv, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. Dudes and Beer is a proud member of the HC Universal Network family of podcasts. For more about our sponsors and other podcasts on this network, visit hcuniversalnetwork.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. And until next time, drink responsibly.